The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org. I'm Carly Meisberger. On this episode, we talked to Chanel Hasten and Nancy Norman from the Surfrider Foundation about cleaning up our waters and hanging ten. This is the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I'm Phil Bussey. I'm joined in the studio uh, two California girls. Yes. Correct. Two California surfers. Uh, Chanel J... Hasten, who is chapter chair and communications coordinator for Surfrider Foundation, and Nancy Nordman, who is uh, the campaign manager for Ditch the Straw. Yep. How are you both doing? Wonderful. So let's let's start with a general lay of the land, so to speak, lay lay of lay of the ocean, and then talk about the specific program that Nancy is spearheading. So, Surfrider Foundation, uh, how did it start, and what does it do? Sure, I'll take that on. Um, so Surfrider is 35 years old, nonprofit, started in Malibu, California by a group of surfers trying to protect their local surf spot. Um, and they just wanted clean water and healthy beaches. Uh, and so now it's evolved into a huge nonprofit. We've got over 180 chapters within the United States, and they're all basically volunteer run. So Nancy and I are part of the Portland chapter, and so we're all volunteers. Um, and basically, we just work a lot on, like I said, clean water, healthy beaches, uh, do a lot of policy work as well. We're just a large grassroots activism network of people passionate about our waterways. And do you have to uh, know to, how to surf to be a member? <laughs> That's a good question. A lot of people are intimidated when they hear Surfrider because they're like, well, I'm not a surfer, so can I still participate? And that is totally false. You don't need to be a surfer to be a part of Surfrider. I'm more of a scuba diver, so I like to be underneath the waves rather than riding them, although that is super fun. Um, but yes. Yeah. And I got into the work from a plastic pollution and waste reduction background. So I was really interested in the work that Surfrider was doing and obviously like love hiking and being on the beach and being by the water, but I actually don't know how to surf. I'm a little t- intimidated to be in the water myself. So um, yeah, you definitely don't need to be a surfer. And and and, and just keeping on uh, what Surfrider Foundation does, um, how much is legislative work and how much is the beach cleanup? Is that is it half and half? Is it a, is it shared or? It depends on the chapter, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, in Oregon we have a staff member, uh, Charlie Plybon. He is our Oregon policy manager, so he kind of spearheads all of our policy work. Um, and then needs whenever he needs chapter support, he calls us in to either go speak to legislatures to give public testimony, which we've done a lot of within the last year in Portland. Um, but it's kind of balanced. It depends on if there's a lot of bills happening at the same time or not. This past year was very active for us. Uh, so we went to Salem a lot. But yeah, it kind of depends. And, and, and are we strictly talking about the coast or are we talking about waterways as well? 
all of the above. So okay. we do, since we're in Portland and we're not necessar- necessarily that close to the coast, we do a lot of river cleanups, uh, street cleanups, because it eventually leads to storm drains into the ocean or our riverways. Um, and also the coastline, too, we do beach cleanups. Yeah, so. I think we always like try to tie it back to the ocean. Like our sort of our tagline is like all um, keep it clean upstream. So the idea is that it all ends up in the ocean. Um, so we still try and focus in that, in that message. And there's a lot of other organizations in Portland, you know, doing work on the waterways, uh, Willamette River Keepers and all that. So we we try and find our niche, I would say, um, within that. And 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 with within that niche, uh, what what how what is the state of Oregon waterways and in particular Oregon coast and the ocean? What and what are some of the what are the dangers and the threats and what what is going right? It's a big question. That is <laughs> whoo, loaded. Um, well, just earlier this year, uh, we passed. Uh, uh, legislation to prevent oil and gra- gas drilling on the Oregon coast, which was really big uh, in March of 2019. So protecting our coast from obviously oil and gas drilling is really huge because it would be very detrimental to our ecosystems on the coast. Um, and uh, is there any drilling proposed that you know of? There's the Jordan Cove LNG project, and that's something that um, Coos, a... Coos Bay chapter um, has been really involved mm-hmm. in. Uh, and, but that, that's uh, the Jordan Cove is a pipeline right. that mm-hmm. would be taking fracked oil out to um, freighters, correct? And that's I think. Yeah. So I, it's not. Yeah, it's not the offshore drilling. It, it's the pipeline itself. But you know, that's still. We can have a pipeline spill, and that's still hugely, yeah, detrimental to us. So yeah, and, and not mm-hmm. to derail. I mean, it's that's it's that one of those is 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 a very frustrating fight because it had been twice denied. Mm-hmm. Uh, the permits had been twice denied, and then when uh, the federal administration changed, um, the Canadian company that that owns uh, or that is proposing brought the idea back again and and I you know I actually I don't know where it stands now but I mean it seems like this is like it's like a horror movie like you kill you kill the monster <laughs> yeah, and right? it just keeps coming back from the dead it takes a lot of really strong uh, we know a lot of we work with a lot of other nonprofits similarly um, protecting the coastline like Oregon Shores Conservation Coalition um, and Environment Oregon Environment Oregon so we're all on the same team, and it's just not giving up the fight. It can take multiple years for something to get passed, but we just have to keep standing our ground. And luckily, we have amazing volunteers and staff members who make that happen. So we won't give up. <laughs> and and then and so so past uh, pipelines and and oil drilling. What are what are some of the other threats? The... Plastic pollution. Uh-huh. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> is a huge one. Um, Thankfully, I think we're seeing a ton of activism and, um, you know, just a lot of awareness on the issue. Um, I actually work in sort of waste and recycling. And if anybody's been following, that's actually been in the news a lot, which is weird because recycling is usually not something that (laughs) makes headlines. But, you know, when China stopped taking a lot of our plastics, that really was a wake up call um, for a lot of people, I think. And now there's a lot of people wanting to tackle um, not just straws, but single-use plastics in general. 
Um, so we're seeing a lot of activism around that, which is really exciting. So mm-hmm. let's, let, let's let's use that as a reason to jump into the ditch the straw campaign. Sure. Um, right. And it, you know, I, it's funny. I went to a, a, a coffee shop this weekend and picked up an ice mocha and I was like, oh, yeah, there's no straws anymore. And, <laughs> and, it, and it's funny because it's like I, I realized it was happening and it, it has happened. Mm-hmm. Portland yeah. does not have plastic straws. Well, mostly. Okay, okay. <laughs> mostly. So, um, which, which coffee shop, out of curiosity? We uh, want to give them a shout out. Sure, Fresh Pod on Hawthorne. Fresh Pod, Fresh Pod across are, the city. They are one of our awesome partners. They actually hosted a letter writing event for us, or let us host have a letter writing event at their cafe. Um, yeah, so uh, the Ditch the Straw campaign kind of developed. Again, we had um, previous execs and just um, engaged Surfrayer members who really wanted to tackle plastic pollution. Um, we had had a lot of success in Portland before uh, with the plastic bag ban and the styrofoam ban. Um, and so we were kind of looking at like what's next. Um, and there was already interest on a national level, I think, with straws. Um, so it was really just choosing to take that on and create more of a local campaign around it. So we really wanted Portland to feel ownership and not, you know, not just sort of continue to, again, there was a lot of other groups doing work on straws, but we wanted to create something that people felt really was Portland centric and Portland businesses were leading the charge and that they felt involved and engaged. So, um, yeah, so we worked with businesses. We knew that that was a key way to get policy through was to build that business support ahead of policy. And so um, we set up a website and, yeah, got a bunch I, of... I want to get into yeah. some of the nitty-gritty of straws. Yeah. So, so um, why, 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 what, what is the threat? Why, how does straws and oceans and plastic bags and oceans, how does that all fit together? <laughs> Do you want me to take that? Sure. You can take it. <laughs> um, I'll fill in. So, with 10 years of data on beach cleanups, straws is found on every beach pretty much around the globe for the past 10 years, one of the top 10 cleanup items. So, even though there's just statistics where it's like only 3% or what is it, point or something even smaller than that is actually plastic straws in the ocean, it's more of like what we say a quote-unquote gateway plastic uh, for people to kind of address within their own life how many single-use plastic items they use and is it really necessary. So straws is kind of an easy one to kind of pick off um, in terms of policy and to kind of broaden your perspective of how much plastic are you really using and is it necessary per se and some people do need single-use plastic straws for um, if they have a disability or for some reason like that which we are very inclusive of all communities so we try to work with them and include them when we're making policy decisions like we did with the city of Portland and their single-use plastic reduction policy Um, and so I mean so this is a this is a matter of garbage it's a matter of waste I mean and Mm-hmm. But it's also a matter of, I mean, sea turtles don't do great with plastic sea bags. Sea turtles do not do great. Uh, neither not. do whales. Large, everything from large and small. I mean, we're seeing plastic in everything from the plankton to the largest whales. And, you know, you see the headlines of them washing up with plastic in their bodies. They ingest it, just um, basically blocks up their systems, and then they can't 
you know, actually get any nutrition in there. And a plastic bag looks a lot like a jellyfish. A plastic straw, you know, could look like seaweed. You know, it's just um, basically once it's out there, you know, they're going to end up eating it. And um, so it's extremely detrimental to the wildlife, which is a huge piece of it, but also just the health of the oceans overall. Mm-hmm. And how, yeah. how unique is this? I mean, how, how other cities that are doing this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Across the whole globe. I think the European Union banned single-use plastics uh, recently. Let's talk America. America. (laughs) Uh, Well, just across a lot of the states with oceans on their borders uh, are are passing a lot of plastic reduction policies or single-use plastic, uh, like California, Lots of cities, San Francisco, Malibu. New York. Yeah, New York. Um, they're in Washington, our neighbors to the north. Uh, so it is big. It's growing bigger in the United States. Um, but it could be much stronger, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it definitely feels like it's become the new normal. It's it's, it's interesting to how, how odd it was to not have plastic bags starting several years ago here in Portland. And, you know, at first I was like, oh, how am I going to pick up my dog's poop? Mm-hmm. Um, but now if I if I go someplace else, if I'm if I'm in Bend, um, other places, it's such a surprise to me that there still are plastic bags. It, it feels yeah. so mm-hmm. uh, wrong and and uh, uh, prehistoric almost. Yeah, and that's something, you know, I get a, a lot of people will laugh when I, um, if I order cocktail when I'm out in Portland and I'll, I'll always order now. It's just become my habit of saying, like, I'd like this cocktail with no straw, please. And they laugh and say, like, oh, you know, we don't have straws here in Portland anymore. Like, we, we phase those out. And I, I always try and tell them, like, yes, and but it's about creating that habit and it's about creating that long-term change and continual awareness and I think like customers continue continuing to bring it up um, just reinforces that that's a want and that's a need um, that people in Portland want to continue to see that happening Um, and then for myself like when I go to an airport I'm not caught off guard by like oh right I'm in a different place now like it's just it's part of my lifestyle and so I feel like um, for a lot of people Again, like it's not just about the straw, it's really about like that throwaway consumer culture and just kind of trying to put a pause on that and like change your day to day. So, Nancy Nordman is the campaign manager for Ditch the Straw, and Chanel Hasen is the uh, chapter chair and communication coordinator for Surfrider Foundation. You guys brought in some music for us. Yes. So we have Jack Johnson, uh, who is a huge longtime surf rider advocate, uh, sitting, waiting, wishing, one of my favorites. Let's take a listen. Well, I was sitting, waiting, wishing you believed in superstitions, then maybe you'd see the signs. Lord knows that this world is cruel And I ain't the Lord, no, I'm just a fool And in loving somebody don't make them love you Must I always be waiting, waiting on you? Must I always be playing, playing your fool? 
your songs, a dance a dance. I gave your friends all a chance. Putting up with them wasn't worth never having you. Oh, maybe you've been through this before, but it's my first time, so please ignore the next few lines 'cause they're directed at you. That was, of course, Jack Johnson. We are talking about oceans and waterways with Surfrider Foundation. What are you guys' feelings about sharks? <laughs> I love sharks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember the first time I went scuba diving, and I was like, the first time I saw a shark, I was like, I didn't know if I was going to be scared or nervous. And I saw one, a leopard shark in Monterey Bay, and I screamed in my regulator and just swam right towards it. So. <laughs> They are amazing creatures. Yeah, and I—I I mean, I guess the beyond sort of the the, the flippant nature of, of the question, though, is is that idea of that I think people uh, love and fear the ocean, and is is that is that an uh, element you guys need to push up against? Is that people are like, well, I I would love to save the dolphins, but I'm not as concerned about the sharks. Yeah, I mean, I think. As somebody who's also a little intimidated by the ocean, I, I would say it's less of a fear and more of a respect. And I think that's what we maybe try and cultivate is like um, just kind of a respect for the ocean and its key importance in how we all live. And, um, you know, it's not just about the animals that live there. Like that is a huge part of our planet. Um, the plankton produce a huge amount of you know, oxygen that we breathe. I mean, it's it's not just something that's out there. It's it's critically important to how we live. Um, so, yeah, that's mm -hmm. what I would say. And is is I mean, thinking about other problems that you guys may push up against, is there is there sometimes an attitude you find that people are like, well, the ocean's so big, 
it can handle this. It can handle uh, a little bit of waste. It can, I mean, things, it's, it's, it's a massive, you know, it's, it's. Takes up most of our entire planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, I feel like the majority of people we interact with at Surfrider are more aware of the issues with the oceans. So not really, but we try and keep a mindset of how everything is interconnected. We There is no waste in nature. If you go into a forest, literally everything is recycled. Nothing goes unused. Um, so it's kind of like a permaculture aspect, which we both graduated from PSU with a sustainability leadership degree, um, our master's last year. So it's kind of bringing to light how we're all interconnected, how our actions on land do affect a gray whale out on the coast. It is all connected. And and both of you moved up from California at some point in your lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been here about five years. So I moved up um, with knowing that I wanted to work on sustainability and um, just knew this was like a place where a lot of innovation was happening. I really respected, yeah, that a lot of, a lot of projects were kind of just, yeah, very innovative and very going beyond just the typical what sustainability is. So, um, and Surfrider, I had already like known about it. So that's one of the great things I feel like about Surfrider is you, you move to a city and it's like, oh, just join that chapter. Like we get a lot of that. We get a lot of people coming from like, oh, I just moved from this you know state and now I'm like here. And so it's kind of like a big family. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to go a little bit more into that the the comparison between Oregon uh, or or Portland and California cities uh, as far as what what they're doing for uh, ocean protection. Um, can you make that comparison? How, I mean, where does where does Portland fall? Are we are we middle of the pack? Are we leading the pack? Are we trailing? I think we're leading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our plastic reduction policy in Portland is, was the most comprehensive reduction policy passed in the entire state, mostly because that included condiment packaging, which a lot of people don't even think about as a type of plastic pollution. Um, and we just passed the Oregon bag ban uh, last month, which is super huge because that's pretty much how Surfrider Portland started um, in 2007 uh, with the Portland Ban the Bag campaign. Um, so we've been working for a long time on plastic reduction policy issues, and it's finally just firing up here yeah. in the state. And I feel like with California, they, you know, like I said, the the focus is, is just a little different. So they have a lot more fights for... Um, public beach access. I think that's a huge thing that they tackle a lot of, and that's a big part of Surfrider too, is just, um, you know, it's the protection and enjoyment, so making sure that people can get out to the beach um, and really get out there and enjoy it. And thankfully in Oregon, we don't have to fight that fight because <laughs> um, we have public beaches. And so um, I think that allows for us to focus our attention on, you know, the plastic pollution issue um, in a way that maybe other chapters have less bandwidth to do. Mm-hmm. So, so what what what's next for Surfrider Foundation in terms of is is there a next big campaign? What's what's the next um, what's the next uh, pollutant or or threat to tackle? Well, I mean, we're having Megan Ponder come in as our chapter speaker for September, and she 
Um, we're really excited to have her. She was the keynote at a big um, recycling conference recently. Um, and she's traveled overseas and done a lot of work with the plastic pollution issue, um, looking at it globally and looking at, um, you know, how it's impacting countries far beyond ours um, and maybe what that connection looks like. Um, and I think, you know, she's sort of talked, um, there's there's story of stuff coming out with the story of plastic. And so that's going to be a film that I think will probably promote a lot. Um, so just like continuing to drive that conversation of of not just the straws and the condiment packages, but can we look deeper at some, you know, being more responsible with the things and putting more responsibility on manufacturers. Mm -hmm. And we're also really focusing this year on our ocean friendly restaurants program, which is kind of a registration for different restaurants. We have 13 in total right now in Oregon um, to be kind of leaders in their sectors of sustainability and to let their customers know that they're doing the best they can to be sustainable. So we have a collaboration with um, the Sustainable Restaurant Group next month, uh, Quick Fish, which is also part of Bamboo Sushi. So stay tuned. I'm not sure if I can talk about exactly what we're doing yet, but um, you'll find out on August 1st. Yeah. And, and Oh, sorry. I was just going to add in that the ocean-friendly restaurants, you know, it, it really goes beyond, um, I mean, it's really all-encompassing. So it looks at a restaurant's uh, energy use and, you know, how they're sourcing their seafood. So it really brings us back to, like, that um, focus on the oceans and, and just broadly speaking, kind of what, what are you doing as a whole to protect our oceans? And, and although uh, the name is Surfrider Foundation, you guys already said you don't need to be a surfer to be part of it. How does somebody get involved or how do they join a campaign or support Surfrider Foundation? Sure. They can visit our website, portland.surfrider.org, and we have lots of information on there. We have events happening every month. Uh, we have our chapter meetings are the second Tuesday of every month with great speakers and different focuses. So August 13th, we'll be at Quick Fish in the Pearl, and our focus will be ocean-friendly restaurants. So it's open to everyone. Um, usually all of our events are free to join. Um, we also are on Facebook or Instagram, Surfrider Portland. So check us out. We're always happy to meet new people. Yeah, become a member. <laughs> and just to close out our conversation, um, favorite spot to, to get in the ocean or favorite, we talked about this a little bit before, but are you willing to share or are you are you protective of your secret <laughs> secret hike or secret surf spot? I'm not protective just because it's very common short sands. I, I just love the little hike out there and the hiking area around it is fantastic, so... Yeah. Um, the first time I went to the beach here was Yahats, yeah. and that's just like a little secluded, beautiful, great tide pooling location. I haven't been back in three years, so I need to go back there. This has been the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. Uh, this has been with Chanel Hayson, who is Chapter Chair and Communication Coordinator for Surfrider Foundation, and Nancy Norman, who has been running the Ditch the Straw campaign. Thank you both for the work that you guys are doing and uh, for, for keeping our oceans healthy. Is that the word? Yeah, great. Thank you yeah. for having us. Thank you so much. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corps, 
that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well-being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. Well, East Coast girls are hip, I really dig those styles they wear. And the Southern girls with the way they talk, they knock me out when I'm down there. The Midwest farmer's daughters really make you feel alright. And the Northern girls with the way they The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to listen in next week when we continue to talk about cleaning up our oceans with another amazing nonprofit, the Oceans Blue Project.